love it when we uh, when we sing together. It is so much fun. I really do enjoy it. I really do. And I appreciate everyone's willingness to use their talents uh, for the Lord. Let's take a Bibles and let's go to First John chapter 5. I know it's an unusual place for us to begin this message today. Greg and I were uh, talking yesterday. We were, I was just explaining some things to him uh, about the scriptures. And I said, it's amazing. We think that we understand the English, but to really give up uh, the understanding of the King James, we need to go back to the more an antiquitic English, if you will. We need to go back to 1600 English. Don't use, don't use the uh, American Webster Dictionary to find out your definitions, though for the most part they're pretty close. But if you really want to understand something, go back to the Oxford. Go back to the early Oxford, and you will see, even from the earliest, how different things are. So we're going to be looking at uh, chapter, First uh, John chapter 5, and we want to go down to verse 1, and let's read together down to verse 13. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but him that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three yet bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. By the way, if you have a modern translation, verse 7 is gone. Might as well know that. They take away you know, the Trinity out of verse 7, and they just remove that altogether. And then what they do is they superimpose verse 8, and you will see that it will go from verse 7, or verse 7 is taken away. Verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for that in the witness of God which he hath testified his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself, he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave, his, uh, gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And that hath the Son hath life, and that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written. I want you to take particular note to verse 13. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, I think it's pretty interesting. That you may know. Now, I want to show you another passage of Scripture. So, if you will, let's go back to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to go to chapter 1. Chapter 1. And we're going to go down to verse 16, and I want us to read that one together as well, down to verse 25. Look what it says. 
And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, which is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away of Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon into Christ are 14 generations, 560 years. Now the birth of uh, Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. When then Jesus, then excuse me, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And this was done that it might be fulfilled. Notice the differences in the words. From may to might. Verse 22 again. Now this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. Today I'd like for us to consider the words that it might be fulfilled, and I want us to have a clear understanding why the word might was being used in this application, so that we can have confidence in Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that we are finding this time of year that there are so many things that are given in the holiday spirit of things. Uh, America, let me just tell you something. Here in America, don't, don't take what you see as what other people do in other countries. Uh, one of the things that is interesting is that we have no longer celebrate the birth of Christ, but instead we celebrate a red man or a white man in a red suit coming down a chimney with eight tiny reindeer pulling him. That's what we literally celebrate. If you don't believe me, any store you go to, whether it's Hobby Lobby or any Christian bookstore, it seems like they're promoting Santa Claus over Jesus Christ. And yet, we say that we are holding on to the birth of Christ as important. May I point this out to you? I know that there's a lot of people that they take an example or they take exception to the things that I have to present. And the main reason is they're saying is, well, you're looking for compromise. I am not looking for compromise. I want you to understand this, is that everything that we should do whether it is in holiday fashion or anything else that we understand, we should always do, first and foremost, to the glory of God. And what I want to point out to you is that it seems like people are looking for some obscure saying by people that they look up to, whether it's Charles Haddon Spurgeon, whether it's Dwight Pentecost, whether it be anybody else, and they want to find some little thing that is there and say, see, we're the only true ones that are left. Well, believe it or not, you can still be right and wrong at the same time if you have not love in your heart. Now, let me just say this. I remember that as a boy growing up that I struggled probably more than even my brothers. I can't speak for them. You have to ask them as well. But I struggled in my heart. What was the right thing to do? And the reality is, is that 
uh, I have found an easy assessment where I can make this work in my own life as well. But more than anything, I focus on God's Word. And if I'm focused on God's Word, that's where I want us to be. So today as we begin, I want us to understand why the word might is used in the place of may. And then let's go back to the book of Genesis, and we're going to spend quite a bit of time there in our studies today. Father, again, we want to thank you for the opportunity to study thy word. And I help, and we pray, Father, that you will help us to grasp the things that you would have for us in this very day. Lord, there's so many things we don't understand. And there's so many things that we don't really grasp. And so, Father, I pray that you will guide us and that you will help us to have a better understanding and that we might take these things to heart and that we might learn and grow from it. Lead us, I pray, then, therefore, therefore, Father, and guide and bless. May we be used of you, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, I want to start today by saying this, is that I have done a lot of preparation, a lot of study, and really, if you think about it, Matthew is one of the unusual books and that it gives us a real insight to the things of God. By the way, do you realize that when it comes to the birth of Christ, there are more details in the book of Matthew than there is even in the book of Luke? Now, we find the chronological order of things that are written in Luke, but you will always see Matthew make this reference. He'll say that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. Not only that, but he will also many times refer to the kingdom of heaven and instead of or the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. And so the reality is, is that he understood what he was saying because it was for him to give it. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. And I want you to get this very clearly and why... I felt it was necessary to read two different passages to you. Believe it or not, the Gospel of John, John the, uh, you know, as he wrote 1st John and 2nd John 3rd, there was always the underlying tone of love. Did you all notice that? Every way you look, you find that John, who was called the Beloved, he always wrote about love. But he made this one statement that is far different from what we see with Matthew, and this could be part of what the interpreters have done. John's writing in 1 John chapter 5 was that we may have an understanding, that we might see the, that we may see these things fulfilled. Now, my fulfillment in Christ means that I see Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have that confidence. But that doesn't give me a good answer for why I will see the word might because the way we interpret might means that we see it as a word that it could be or could not be. How many of you all see that? When we see the word might, we say, well, it could be that way or it could not be that way. I'm going to give you another example of where that is seen. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we hate this passage. Matter of fact, let me tell you what, Baptists hate this passage more than anything. Let's go down to verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, and you're going to see exactly where I'm coming from. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how many of you all struggle over that word forth? The same application I'm going to give you right now 
is going to be the same application that we see for both passages. We don't understand English. Now, the thing that I looked at, and again, I went into every one of these areas that you might understand it. I want to read to you what verse 38 could say, and I have not changed the word. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because the remission of sins. Do you realize the word for, as we have it in there, is the same as the word because? It is, you have already repented, you've already received Christ, and therefore, because of that, you are declare to the world, I have been redeemed. So when we see the modern vernacular of the word for, people want to say, see, you have to do this in order to be saved. It doesn't say that at all. So for us to have a clear understanding, we've got to go back and study the briefest part of history. Let's go back once again to the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, we once again see this word, might. Now, I want you to see this, and this is something that I find is very amazing to me. In verse 22, it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Because of our modern vernacular, we like to take that word might be saying as well it could be or it could not be. But that is not the application at all. The word might in the Old English can also be translated as should be or should. Look in, let's just place it with the word should. Now this was done that, you might, that it might be or should be, which was spoken by the Lord. So the word should, if it's replaced in the place of might, gives us a more solidified opportunity to understand the things of Christ. Let me just say this. Matthew was not trying to sow in doubt or discord. What Matthew was doing was he was giving us an understanding. But let's point this out to you. I went even all the way back to the ancient Greek. I had my Texas Receptus, and I began to look at that as well. And I probably will make a mistake in even how I pronounce because I don't go around pronouncing Greek all the time. But I want to say that the word is palero. Now, palero in the ancient Greek is one of those things that we, we see which is interpreted fulfilled. By the way, may I point this out to you, if the word palero was just used, then we would not have that it might be, that it might be, that it might be, that would be gone. However, may I point this out to you, that because of the way that it is written in the Greek, with the ending of palero, it says this could be the measuring stick. We can use this measuring stick. We can fulfill this measuring stick. And so for that reason, I want you again take a look at verse 22 and have the confidence of what we are reading about Jesus Christ. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring birth to the Verse 22, let's back up. Now this was done that it would be fulfilled. That it would be fulfilled. How do I know that? Let's go back to the book of Isaiah. And if we go back to the book of Isaiah and we go to chapter 7... Again, notice that this whole application is what we are looking for. Once again, in chapter 7, and if I go all the way down, notice again, I want to make sure I'm in the right area here, alright? And if I go back down to verse uh, 14, notice what it says. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Now does it say he might give you a sign? 
does it say he will probably give you a sign? It doesn't say that. It says the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Meaning God with us. Now, it's amazing to me, and I want to make sure that this is understood, and what kind of got me a little bit stirred on this was the fact that there's so many things that I work with a lot of people. Uh, I think I referred to this last week where I said that I have received another phone call from someone in prison. And uh, being in prison, there's a lot of limitations of what I can and cannot do when it comes to working with prisoners. I can write out all my materials, but this young man who called me, his name is Jeremy, he called me and he said, Timothy, your son, stated that you will set me straight when it comes to the Bible. <laughs> Boy, what... <laughs> That is a big, big task ahead of me. So all I can do is I can say, let me share with you a little bit of the Word of God. That's all I can do. I can share a little bit with him the things of God. Well, as I was sharing with him the things of God, the only way I could do it was write an introduction, and then there's going to become chapters right after that. Who knows? It may turn into another booklet. I don't know. If it does, we'll put it out here for everybody to read. You will have to overlook my grammar because it can get pretty poor. But the reality is, is that this young man was asking me to put in a little box, a little tiny box, and I said it can't be done. There is no way in 15 minutes that I can try to convince you anything. I, I mean, I, I have been criticized for a lot of my beliefs, and I understand that, and it's, and it's acceptable to be criticized about my beliefs. But may I point this out to you that I believe it not because I was taught it, I believe it because it's what's in the Word of God. And if I see it in the Word of God, then I understand it, and it's so important to me. I'll give you an example. Let's go back for a moment to the book of Genesis. Do you realize that the first indication that we were going to need a redeemer came with the fall that occurred with Adam? Now, in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to be taking a look a little bit here today about the fall of Adam and the promises that were extended. This may surprise you, because when we read in verse 15 the, the statement that we find here about the first promise of the Redeemer, it was not given to Adam and Eve. Look what it says. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Who is the Lord speaking to? He's speaking to the serpent. He is speaking to the serpent. He goes, yes. It's going to come through the mankind that I will bring all of this to pass. But I want you to understand that first and foremost, this is going to occur because you have brought sin into the picture by conniving the woman. Now understand, the woman ate of the fruit willingly and Adam ate of the fruit willingly. Knowing the law of God and the demands that were placed on it. Many times Greg and I will be working in his garden and he'll go, well thanks Adam, well thanks Adam. Do you realize that thorns and thistles were never a part of the garden until Adam fell? And that was part of the curse. But again, I want to point this out to you. That it was what God said to Satan at this very moment. When he said, I will put enmity. In other words, you are an enemy now. You are an enemy serpent. 
You are an enemy, Satan, because you have called the price. Do you realize, I want you to think about this, how special it is that from the very moment that God made this statement, he was putting himself on the line. Not another man. I'm putting myself as God on the line. Look what he says. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Not thee and the man. But the woman, why do we see that enmity between the man and, or between the serpent and the woman? And between thy seed and her seed. Here's the problem. Do you realize women don't have seed? They have eggs. Now we all have heard that. We've heard that a million times before. Uh, but everything that we see around us in culture, things like that, we have the female species, we also have the male species. But in this case, here is a human woman that gives forth an egg, and she shall be pregnant. Do you realize the moment that, that Gabriel approached Mary and said, You are highly favored. Blessed are thou. I would be like Lot. Reality is every day and quite literally Eve when she said I have gotten a man from God from the Lord she thought that Cain was the redeemer but it wasn't very long afterwards as she realized that she was mistaken. The one that would come would be pure. The one that would come would fulfill all requirements of scripture. Look what else it says. In verse 15 again it goes it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. Do you realize that at that before that occurred, men, you know, every time that a baby was born, a woman was not going to feel that the heartache of it, the difficulty of it, the challenges of birth. And anyone who's ever had a child understands that too clearly. But when Eve travailed in pain to bring forth this first child. Once again, it was a, a mark that was there to prove everything was going to be right. But let's go on. I want to bring out to you the importance of the book of Genesis. I wish I could just sit down with every one of us and say, let's study the book of Genesis together. One of the reasons on Wednesday night that, that we have decided to start our studies on the book of Genesis, and especially with the creation, is to bring us in mind what God is able to do. Do you realize that for God to fulfill his promise to Adam and Eve, one man had to remain upon this earth? When it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God, that was a fulfillment to the promise that was made to Adam. All the rest of mankind had already corrected themselves. We saw that, and that corruption was beyond even our own imagination. But the reality is, is that when God kept Noah in the grace, in His grace, He also kept in grace Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so there was the building of the ark. 
there was the people. There was the laughter, even as Noah was telling the people, repent, get on board. of the things of Noah. For seven days they mocked him. And yet inside, Noah and his family probably began taking care of the animals, feeding them, cleaning up the manure, everything else that had to be done. And then the skies darkened. And then the rain fell. Not just a simple rain like what we've had outside today, but a deluge that did not quit. Bucket after bucket of water pounding the earth until the ark was lifted up and 40 days later the ark would even be higher than any mountain peak. Yes, even higher than Mount Everest. I don't care what people say. That's impossible. In your God it might be impossible. But my God, all things are possible. But after that, I want you to see something that is absolutely amazing to me. One of the things that I had discovered was found in Genesis chapter 17. I want you to look at this with me, if you will, for a moment. God calls Abraham. <laughs> Here's the thing that's interesting. God called Abram, but he gave his promise to Abraham. I want you to think about that for a moment. Go down to verse 1 of chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, and notice again that we interrupt this story for good behavior, okay? In chapter uh, 16, the end of chapter 15, or excuse me, verse 15 and 16 of chapter uh, 16 says, says this, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his, his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now, there has to be a reason that his name is going to change. Well, the reason that his name is going to change is twofold. Number one, you're no longer going to be a part of the earth. I'm going to give you a new name, and that new name is going to be a reflection of what I'm about to do with you, Abraham. And so in verse 1 it says, And when Abram was 99 years of age, 99 years of age, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God, Walk before me and be thy perfect. Thirteen years God was quiet when it came to Abraham. Thirteen years. The word thirteen, or if you ever take a look at that, there was a period of, of desperation. Do you realize that in that thirteen year period, Abraham had to determine in himself, what have I done to offend God? Number one, you didn't believe God. You didn't believe that God was able to raise up a child through Sarah who's now old. You didn't believe God when he said that I'm going to give you a child. No, you tried to step away from your confines and you wanted to do things your way. God gave even a greater story. He said, look at verse 2. And I will make thy covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, 
as for me, behold, thy covenant is, is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. Can you imagine the confusion that Abraham... By the way, the name Abram means the father of a nation. The name of Abraham means the father of many nations. So there was not only the Ishmaelites, there was not only going to be the Jewish people, the Israelites, but if you go back in, you'll find that later on he married a woman by the name of Keturah, and she had other generations that would follow after. Let's continue on. And I will make thee, in verse 6, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Nations shall come out of thee. There's a promise. And I will establish my circumcision is going to occur. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man-child in your generation, he that is born in this house, or brought with money of a stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that brought that uh, that is brought with money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the circumcised and the uncircumcised child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that shall soul shall become my people and hath broken my covenant. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife. And I will bless her, and will give thee also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings, and people shall be of her. Do you realize, I want you to get this. Here is Abraham, 99. Sarah, 90, or 89 at this time. She was 10 years younger. And she is going to hear this news as well. Do you know the first person to laugh with this information was Abraham? How do I know that? Luke 4 says, verse 17. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. <laughs> Why did he... that is a hundred years old and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear and Abraham said to God notice the compromise notice the compromise all that Ishmael might live before thee how about instead of Isaac let's do Ishmael let me tell you something when God makes up his mind 
and God establishes a way, it's not going to happen any other way. And everybody should understand this. When God said, here is my picture, here is my plan, I'm going to give you a child. else of that nature. I don't believe that he gave any kind of excuse. I think he was boisterous. I think he was demanding. I think he was assuring. You're what does he say? She was the woman of the earth. So and now shall call his name which means laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Do you realize that if this was not here, and this is one of the first fulfillments that we can look at Jesus Christ, was he a And the answer is absolutely yes. Let's go on to uh, chapter 22 of the same book, and let's go down to verse 16. We read this a little bit earlier today, but I want you to get this in chapter 22, verse 16. And it says, And he said, By myself, This is God's word. I don't believe in the Koran. And, and let's put it this way. This book has served us for many, many years. But the reality is, is that it's taken pop shots all the time. So the lineage is going from Abraham to Isaac. Let's go on to another passage. Let's go to Genesis 26. And in 26, let's go down to verse 1. And it says, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went into Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gear. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I, will, which I shall tell thee of. So journey in this land, and I will be with thee. Here's the promise that is given to Isaac. You stay in this land. I'm going to take care of you. And a blessing for thee uh, unto thee, and unto thy seed will I give this uh, give these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear under Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of the heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all. Yes. I say this directly to Isaac because that, that Abraham obeyed my voice because Abraham obeyed now I'm going to bless you 
and can my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. But that's not the end of the story. Let's go to chapter 28. And in chapter 28, let's go down to verse 11. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of the place and put them for his pillows that he laid, da laid down in that place to sleep. Now this, of course, is Jacob. And he dreamed, and behold, a and the top of it reached into heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord land wherein thou liest. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed. <laughs> Wait, there's more. I'm going to tell you something. When God gives you a complete understanding of things, it's a marvelous application. I've had people that have made the statement that when they come to know the truth of the sovereignty of God, it's like being born all over again. I've had people say that. And you know, I look forward to this each and every Sunday. I get to teach the older ones in the congregation. But think about this, as God adds newer ones to our body, we have a great responsibility. Look at verse 14. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whether thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awakened. <laughs> I love this part. I love this man. Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. Let me tell you what. When we invite people into the house of God, do you think they would have rejoiced with us on the day that Gracie was baptized? Do you think there would have been the joy that they would have felt? They would have probably left this place and went, how dreadful is this place? We cannot expect the lost people to enjoy the things of God. But we enjoy it. Why? Because we fulfill and we know the promises that God has given once again, Ab you know, this man named Jacob said, this is a dreadful place. I'm going to show you another thing. Do you realize later on, this same Jacob come to see the power of God? And I want you to turn with me to chapter 49. And I want you to grab this promise. Abraham is now in his deathbed. Oh, excuse me, Jacob's on his deathbed. Before he dies, he wants to give one final blessing to his sons. I want to have that opportunity as well. And when he gets ready to give the blessing to his sons, he goes to Judah. Now, he's got 12 sons. And out of the 12 sons that he has... The blessing is not to Reuben, who is his firstborn. It's not, the Je it's not going to be to Joseph, who is the protector. It's not to Simeon or Levi, because it says of them they are cruel. 
what he says is to Judah. Look what it says there. Judah, let's stop there. Did you notice that there's a comma at the end of the word Judah, which means it's an address. I'm going to give this to you, Judah. And I can see Judah pay attention now. The fourth child that was born to him by Leah. Judah, who said, let my sons be in my place if I don't come back with your child. Judah, thou art whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah, Emmanuel, you shall bow down. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Judah is alone. Well, what do we call it? Jesus is of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it's found in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And from thy prey, thy son, rouse him up. Who's going to lift him? Who's going to make him move? Not me, buddy. There's the lion. When he moves, he moves with force. But when he lays down, he's a protector. He's the watcher. He's the power. Everybody else has an eagle. We have a lion. Verse 10 said, And the scepter, that righteous holiness, the kingship, it will never Fulfilled. This is where the promise is. We our celebration is because of the life of Christ. And in the hand shall be gathered the people be, binding his bow upon the vine. And the ass is cold. Oh my goodness. And I just recently learned this. Do you know that when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he walked. How do I know that? Do you realize no one else has ever ridden on that cult that belongs to the king? And when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, he was announcing to the world, I am the king. I am the king of kings. Because Christ is more at all. And guess what? Because he died for me, because he rose for me, victory is in his hands. And I am sealed, according to John chapter 10, in the hand of Christ. He said, you're there. And I've got you. And no man is able to pluck them out of my, my hand. Not only that, but my hand. And no man. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that wonderful? We should rejoice over that, shouldn't we? And yet, here is the promise that it might be fulfilled. Notice it says, He washed His garments in wine and His clothes in the blood of grapes. That's coming. Where are your enemies? No more enemies. And His eyes shall be red with wine and His teeth white with milk. I bring this all up to you so that we might have a greater understanding of the origins of who we serve and why we hold Christ to such high regard. It's not Abraham that we serve, though the faithfulness of Abraham brought forth Isaac. It's not Isaac that we serve, though it is through the faithfulness of Isaac that we have Jacob. It's not Jacob that we serve, or Judah, but through them all came the promise that at the very end, it was fulfilled when Christ was born. All of Matthew will always say, fulfilled, fulfilled, fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Today is the day of hope. Today is the day of the message. Will we believe it? Father, again, thank you for the opportunity we've had to stand before the congregation. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this message as it was delivered today. Help us, dear Father, to know thy truth. Help us then, Father, to grasp the things that you give us and guide and bless, and we will rejoice in thy precious name. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, if you'll, Sister Brenda, come forward.